All right. Hi, guys. You look wonderful today. Yeah, doesn't she? Yeah, good to see you guys. All right, Jonah. It's not a big fish story. This is a big God story, isn't it? He's big God. I got to say hi to one more over here real quick because I ain't seen her for a while. Look at that. She didn't even know I <laughs> snuck up like a ninja on her. Ain't seen her for a while. You know how you catch a unique rabbit, right? You sneak up on it. You know how you catch a tame rabbit? Tame way. <laughs> All right. Hey, we got a big God story getting ready to go on. And uh, Johnny's not here, so he, he gave me this one and told me I could use it. And uh, so you guys don't answer because you probably know. It's in the Bible. It's scriptural. It's great to see you all again. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Scriptural. There's a time of day that Adam was created. It says it right there. Does anybody know what time of day Adam was created? Huh? How about just before Eve? (laughs) Yeah, it got me too. Just before Eve, God created him. All right. Man, it's beautiful Lord's Day, isn't it? I mean, he's blessing us. I can't believe school's about ready to start in a week or so. Time's just flying by, but we're having a great time. Uh, it's great to be back. Let's review where we were at with Jonah whenever we left him off, because he just got spit up on ground when we left him off. We saw that God came to him and said, Arise and go into Nineveh, that exceeding great city and he went the other way and then as he went and he didn't listen he he got tossed in a storm into the ocean those dreaded seaweeds wrapped around his head swallowed by a great fish held there for three days and three nights and then spit up on dry land wow isn't that pretty awesome That's only halfway through the story. Now we're going to get to some more good stuff here today. That got his attention and got him prepared. Now I want you to think about, we started all of this off before we hit Jonah. We did a couple weeks of the God that goes before you. And the God who prepares the way. And the God who takes care of you and knows what's going to happen. And so he does things to prepare you for what you're about ready to go through. So now we're hitting that climax. He's got prepared through what he just went through in the storm of life and also in that big fish. And we're going to see how that prepared him. I'm so excited to give you this message today to see what the Lord did to prepare him for that. But I want you to know that as chapter 2 ends and the great fish spits him up on the ground, that this is nothing more or nothing less than the grace of God being displayed. He didn't earn or deserve anything like that, but he spit out and he starts to realize God has a plan for my life. There's a reason why I went through all of this. I don't know it yet, but we're going to move on. And he starts to go, and now we get to chapter 3. He realizes indeed that God is large. He's in charge And that this time when the word of God comes to him and says arise, he's going to arise and do it. He's going to go ahead. So 
If you're there with me or if you don't have it on your Bible, follow along behind. We got Jonah chapter 3 and we'll begin in verse 1 saying, The word of the Lord came to Jonah this second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Preach to it the message that I tell you. And Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And Nineveh was an exceeding great city. It's a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah, he began to enter into the city. And on that first day's walk, he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And so the people of Nineveh believed God. And they proclaimed a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And then the word came to the king of Nineveh. And the king arose from his throne. He laid aside his robe that he had covered himself with. And now he covered him with sackcloth. And he sat down in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and to be published throughout all of Nineveh by a decree of the king. And he told his nobles saying, Let not man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Don't let them eat, don't let them drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one of you turn from their evil way and from the violence that you do with your hands. Who can tell if God then will turn and relent away from the anger then that he has so that we may not perish? And then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God relented of the disaster that He said He would bring upon them. And He did not do it. And oh, there's themes running through this. And this week is, in Christ, we don't get what we deserve. Before we go on, I want to say a prayer for over this Word and for what we're about ready to study. So I'll give you a moment to do your silence and then we'll close it out and we'll begin with this. Father, we thank you for this word, this chapter, this story. We pray that as we unfold it, that it will matter in our life. And that it will change our lives in some way. And that it will stick with us forever and ever. And Father, we as the body are gathered here together to worship you and to study. But we're also going to petition you at this moment too for thanking you for Judy is back with us from her hurt. And also, Father, there was one more that needs to be added to our, our prayer list, and uh, that's Wilma. Wilma's going to be going tomorrow for laser surgery on her eyes. She's got some bleeding coming from her eyes, and um, we're going to lift her up right now before you, Father, as we prepare to study your word, which is the most powerful thing that there is in this universe. And Father, we lift up in prayer that they will perform this delicate procedure in a skillful way that you have given them the talent and the ability to do. Pray that everything will come out fine, that there will be no problems, and that healing will begin immediately, Father, without any kind of uh, digression, without any 
problems or infections. We just pray that everything will be perfect, that you will hold the hands, guide the hearts that's doing this. And Father, in a big way, we recognize you as a big God as we go forward now. We want to see and declare and let our minds be open to to the facts that are buried within the treasures of your word right here. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. In Christ, we don't get what we deserve. Jonah needed to be shown that message because he didn't want to go to them. He felt they deserved something else. So he had to be shown grace that he didn't get what he deserved so that then he would now have the heart to go and do what he was supposed to do because now he realizes that grace needs to come to everyone, even me. And so this time when God says there in verse 1, Arise and go, he arised and went and did what the word said. And then it says this in verse 2, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And in verse 3 it repeats that by saying, Jonah arose and went, and now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't exaggerate. It's not like me when I'm fishing and I catch one this size and I come back and tell you, ah, man, he looked like he was this big, right? So the Spirit's not going to exaggerate. When it says it's a great city, and then he comes back in the next verse and says it's exceedingly great city, man, he means what he says. This is an exceedingly great city that he's going to go to. And you ask, well, how great and exceeding was it? Glad you asked, because I started doing some Googling there on it, and I Googled some things. And first of all, if you look at verse 3 there, it says, it's a great city that's a three-day journey in extent. Now, what that means is it takes three days to walk across that city. Because the next verse is going to say that as he walked the first day's journey through the city, then he began to speak. So this city is three days' journey across. If you set out walking, it's going to take you three days to cross there. So then I went to our friend Google again and said, what's an average day's journey? How long in ancient times or today with man or pack animal or whatever is an average day's walk? And it came back that it's pretty much three miles per hour. So if it was an eight-hour day, a day's journey is 24 miles. If, if you do a 10-hour day, 30. If it's 12-hour, 36. Let's go conservative. Let's go 24-25, the easiest route. Say it's 25 miles a day. If it's three days' journey, it's 75 miles across the city of Nineveh, that exceedingly great city. So I Googled again and said, what's the largest city in the world today? Acreage-wise, land-wise, New York City is the biggest city landmass in the world at 13.4 miles across and two and a half miles wide. So that means Nineveh is almost six times longer than New York City. New York City has 8.5 million people. They're thinking that conservatively, Nineveh had a million at least in all of that because they also had their animals and their farms and their different things. But the entire 75 miles was probably 
between one to two million because at the end of chapter four in that last verse, God says, shouldn't I be concerned about this city wherein there is 120,000 people who do not know their left hand from their right? And that's babies. I take that as kids who don't know their left hand from their right. So all of these, for such is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. So these children that was in there was 120,000 that you're wanting destroyed, let alone the middle-aged kids, teenagers, young adults, adults, and seniors. So conservatively, one to two million total, but 120,000 kids itself. Now, in the center of that was this wall. They had built in this exceeding great city of 75 miles in the center where the capital and the palace was. They had a wall that was seven miles in circumference in a circle. So it was seven miles around. This wall averaged, they had a foundation and then they had the wall. And then they had something built every 59 feet. Whether it was a buttress, whether it was a watchtower, or whether it was a gate like you see above here. This is one of the gates. They had like 15 gates along the way of different entrance points of this seven-mile circle of the city. The average top of the wall was 60 feet high. The buttresses and towers went anywhere from 100 to 168 feet high as the largest. And get this. It averaged 49 feet thick. I mean, this wasn't just a wall. It was 49 feet across. In some places, over 100 feet across where the gates were for protection. It was said throughout history that it was recorded that three chariots could go side by side around this entire perimeter of the top to go where needed whenever they called. And so they could send a force three wide, completely through to guard an area or to to discourage an uprising. So this is an amazing, exceeding great city that we don't imagine today. We think of their little towns as little huts through together or something. No, this was an exceeding great city. Now, the remaining walls was left there for 2,000 years until ISIS in 2015, when they started doing all of their evil works and was trying to overthrow everyone, the, the city of Nineveh had belonged to a different sect of Muslims and them. So they, out of spite, went in and started destroying the relics, the history, and the walls so that they didn't want anything left standing. So now, you've got this courageous although wicked and evil as we found out, nation of one million strong at least, who was the top power in the world and had this exceeding great city, how did God prepare one man to go into a city like that and get them all to repent? Wow, imagine the task that is before Jonah. Now, as God has said, arise and go into that city right there. And you're going to go and you're going to preach to him. Walk there and proclaim the message, it says in verse 1, that I'm going to give to you. And now, it's commercial time. 
I'm going to put a commercial break in here in our movie for a minute. The message that I give to you is what I want you to take to them. Preachers, pastors, Bible teachers, even down to the kids. The message that we teach is the message that's in the Word of God. That's it. The words, this hasn't changed from Jonah, God's person and teacher, to today. It's my word that I give to you that I want taught. We don't have right, we don't have any authority to change anything, to do anything different. And he says, this is the way I want you to do and what I want you to do it. And I don't care if you're scared. I don't care if it don't feel good. I don't care if it makes none of them mad. This is the truth. And so you tell them the truth and you go with it. And I'm going to protect you through it all. And so that's what he did. Now we get back to our regular programming that that's the task and that's what he did. He says, I want to remind you of another theme that's going throughout here. Remember we talked a minute ago about how God prepares the way. We see through some things of how great the city is. Now let's see how God prepared for them to receive the message. First of all, history. History. We're going to go back to chapter 5 of 1 Samuel here for a minute. This is 300 years prior to Jonah's time. Um, Miss T, do you have the uh, slide for there? Yeah, there we go. 1 Samuel 5. This is during the time of Eli the prophet giving way to Samuel in David's time, just before David became king. This is while Eli was still in charge. So 300 years prior to Jonah, we've got this going on. I'm going to read to you chapter 5 of 1 Samuel for the history of what's behind some things happening. The Philistines took the ark of God and they brought it to Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house. It looks like Dagon, but it's actually pronounced Dagon. And they set it by Dagon, who is their god. And when they of Ashdod arose... Early on the next morning, because see, they placed that ark in front of him like the ark was worshiping that idol, Dagon or Dagon. And then when they got up in the next morning, verse 3, Behold, Dagon had fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. He had bowed down to God's ark. And they took Dagon and they set him back up. And said, stay where you're at. You're supposed to be our God. And so they went in the next morning. They came back to see what was going to happen. And guess what? Dagon had fell down again. Doggone it. He'd fell down again. And his head fell off. And his hands fell off this time. Right there in the threshing floor. Before the Ark of the Covenant. And it says then in verse 5. That neither the priest of Dagon nor any that come to his house will now tread upon the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. To this day, mind you. That means it's burned upon their minds the power of the Lord Jehovah over their God and over their life of what happened. 
So now we continue. It says, The hand of the Lord, though, continued to be heavy because they held on to this Ark of the Covenant. And they sent it to Ashdod, and they were destroyed with emeralds. And so they saw that the Lord's hand was heavy. And they said, Don't let the Lord God of Israel's Ark stay here with us. Let's move it. And so they gathered all the lords of the Philistines and said, what are we going to do? They said, let's move it to Gath. And, you know, later on, that's going, to, that's going to be where Goliath is from, Goliath of Gath. So they said, move it to Gath and let's see what happens. So they went there. Verse 9, and it was so that when they carried it there, the hand of the Lord was against that city. And with a very great destruction, he smote the men of the city, small and great, with emeralds and tumors in their secret parts. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets my attention real quick, okay? The actual text means bursting forth with tumors and emeralds or hemorrhoids in secret parts. Now, that got their attention, and they sent it uh, to, from Ekron, and the, Ekron cried out and said, They've brought the ark of God of Israel to slay us and our people. Word spreading fast, isn't it, about this powerful God that can do these things. So they all got together and said, send it back to where it came from so that it doesn't destroy us and we don't have all of this. And so the ark of God was sent out of the house of the Philistines and out of their land and went and resided somewhere else. And they were crying to the God of heaven. So now, now we got some history it might be 300 years later, but they still know what's happened because these are Assyrians, the same people with the same God. And so they are sitting there, and now we're going to take a biblical route again for the second way that God prepared them to hear the word of God and repent. Because now that's history. They saw how powerful the God of Jehovah of Israel is of what he had did before Dagon their God in the temple. Now check out what happened. What's, uh, what's, what's that shrine look like? Look real close. That's, uh, that's the temple of Dagon. Okay. Dagon is transliterated, not translated. So that's how it's actually spelled in the original language. D-A-G-O-N. It wasn't, they didn't give you the translation. They just brought the word straight over. We've talked about that a little bit before. But now look. Do you know what the word for fish is? D-A-G. Give me the next one, Miss T. There is a relief carving of their God. Looks like a merman instead of a mermaid, doesn't it? Yeah. Now give me the next slide. Yeah. Hebrew word of the day. Dog. Fish. So now, now the rubber's getting ready to meet the road. I get cold chills. On this, okay, whenever you start digging this in. So I'm, I'm going to be freelancing, just give Miss T a little heads up that I don't know where I'm going from here. But this, this is how brilliant and magnificent the God of heaven is and how he does things. He says, okay, I've dealt with Dagon before the fish God. I'm the creator of heaven and earth and the fish that are in the seas. They should have learned the first time, but they've not. You're going to run from me, Jonah, so I'm going to do something. 
I'm going to prepare you for where you're going to go ultimately anyway when you follow my word. And the way I'm going to prepare you for a testimony to those people is you're going to get swallowed by a dog, by a fish. And so whenever he gets dumped overboard, billions of years God knew, and this is his sense of humor coming out beneath the scriptures. Okay, I'm going to get you swallowed by a fish. You're going to get thrown overboard. You're going to be in the first manned submarine in the world, and he's going to hold you for three days in his belly. And then he's going to spit you up upon the ground. And you're going to finally obey my word and you're going to walk into Nineveh. And when you start walking into Nineveh, it says he got one day's journey into Nineveh. And all of a sudden he started preaching the word of God to him saying in 40 days Nineveh is going to fall. Why did he wait for one day? God got him walking through Nineveh. He gets looking around. I see the fish God plaque here. I see the fish God carved on their little cups, on their little bows. On their... He gets up by the temple one day's journey in, and he says, My God prepared me now for what I'm getting ready to tell you, and I'm no longer scared to bring you the message of the Word of God. Because the same God that created the fish that you try to worship put me inside the belly of that fish. He protected me just like he protected the ark of God when it was in the belly of the temple. And he made that fish fall down in front of his ark. He protected me inside. He commanded that fish to swallow me but not harm me, to not digest me, to save me and bring me back after three days. And I declare unto you, That the God of heaven who did that, the God of heaven who caused your idols to fall before, protected me in that belly. Think about it too. What does it say about the Holy Spirit with us? Your body is the temple. I was in the temple of your fish for three days. He had nothing on me because of my God. And now my God has sent me here to see all of this stuff and to proclaim to you of what all you've been doing is wrong. And if you don't repent from your wicked deeds in 40 days, my God, Jehovah, is going to overthrow your city. Now you know why one man can walk into a place of a million people and walls and fortified city and all of a sudden get the courage and the moxie to deliver the message and why one million people will go to their knees because we serve the God that goes before us and prepares our way. We serve the God of heaven who created everything and is all powerful. So now... He gets there, and you would figure when he first starts talking, the people would say, (laughs) one man comes in here and is going to say this from our hated enemy, but when he gives them the full message and the history, this is my presumption from what all we're reading and what's going on and being played out. And he says it this time, it says in verse 5, if we go on, Miss T, to the... Next slide. This time it says, 
The people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And when word went inside the walls of the city and the palace central, it says the king heard what had been said by Jonah. And it says he arose. Isn't that the word that God used for Jonah each time? Arise and go forth. He obeyed. He arose. He got off his throne. He started humbling himself before the God of heaven. He took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and went into ashes. Humility. He realized what he was going up against. So he got down in the ash heap and he called for his nobleman. And he said, go out. And proclaim to everyone in Nineveh. Everyone. Let not one person eat or drink anything. And he said let everyone put on the sackcloth. Change of clothes. We studied in Revelation that the change of clothes. Is the change of life. That your garments that you wear. Spiritually reflects who you are. And that's why we put off our old man and we put on the new white robes that we're going to be given you are changing who you are in a visual way spiritually before the God of heaven but not only that put sackcloth on the beasts even on the cattle and the different animals I want God to see that we're changing and not only that I want your hands to stop the evil that you're doing and the wickedness and maybe Just maybe this God of heaven will relent of what he's getting ready to do to us. Verse 10 says that when God saw their works and that they had turned from their evil ways, that God relented from the disaster that he had said that he would bring to them. And he did not do it. I say amen. Because that's grace. That's compassion. Patience and long suffering. Only reason I stand here today is because God had grace, patience, and long suffering with me in my life. He did it then with Jonah and now he's doing it with them. And he does it for everyone. Not only me, not only them, but for each and every one of you. And this is the God that we serve when we turn to him. In all humility and in all seriousness and repent and lay aside things and take upon him and his garment in our walk of life. Because he's not willing that any should perish but that all would come to repentance. What a powerful God with a sense of humor to use a fish to show the the people of the fish God (laughs) that you need to listen to me. Or else, if you don't change, I'm going to have to destroy you like I did Sodom and Gomorrah. So as our worship team comes on back up, and we hit the last slide there, how about us? What lessons do I take away from here? A couple things I had was those in Christ, he's with us until the end of the age, isn't he? He says, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you, I'll be with you. Even if you're in the depth of the ocean or you're facing the enemy one million strong by yourself, I'll be there. Another thing, my life, what I've been through or what I'm going through has meaning and purpose behind it. I think of Joseph when he spent 
all those years in prison, his brothers thought that, that he had died. About 15, 20 years later, when they show up because of a famine, he's sitting number two on the throne of Egypt. And they started trembling and shaking. And he said, don't. You might have meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And now he's going to be glorified. God took all of that and took a man who was rebellious and glorified himself before one million people. And the biggest revival in history, I don't know of anyone, I I suppose there could be, but one million repenting in one day? That, that's something to write home about. You know? God used a rebellious man who changed his life after being in the, through the trial. So what can he do with us? What can he do with us through the trials that we've been through spiritually and physically in our lives and in this body? What can he do to build it up and to glorify himself now? From that. Lastly. That was for all of us in Christ. But if you're not in Christ. And you're here. And I don't, I don't know. But if you're not in Christ. If you've never went to him. And gave your life to him. As your Lord and Savior. Then won't you follow the illustration. Of the Ninevites. Won't you repent with all. Humility. And turn to Him and let Him save you and relent. Because there's only two choices for an eternal destination. And if you're in Christ, it's heaven. And if you're outside of Christ, it's hell. Forty days, Jonah said, and you will be overthrown. The number 40 in the Bible is the number of testing. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Forty days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Our life is like 40 days. It's a test. Life's a test. What are you going to do with it? Forty days you either repent and God relent during your life. Or 40 days you don't and I will overthrow you. And that's the simple choice. And I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus that you will follow that example and repent and make it be known today. Don't wait. Make it be known today as we go ahead and sing this song.